Hi, welcome to Hotels 101, a podcast that dives into the lives of those leaders in the hotel industry, just so we learn more about lodging, travel, and, and what's going on in the hotel world. Uh, every month we'll get together with a, a leader, learn a little bit more about who they are, what they do, and, uh, and from that, learn a lot more about this industry. My name is Rob Hayes, I'm the host of Hotels 101. I'm the CEO and president of Ashford Hospitality Trust, which is a publicly traded hotel ownership company with about 100 hotels all across the United States. So if you travel here in the US and you stay in any Hilton or Marriott or Hyatt branded or independent hotels, there's a good chance you've stayed in one of our hotels through the years. Uh, so today uh, I am with Sloan Dean, who is the president and COO or CEO, CEO. formerly yeah, the COO, know, right? now the CEO of Remington Hotels. And so thanks for coming on for, yeah. as our first episode. I know. I, I love it. I'm honored to be uh, first. So hopefully I set a high bar. We did. We have to, uh, I wanted to bring in the A-team for this first episode. <laughs> and so Sloan, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I mean, one of the great things about this industry is there are great characters and people. And I think one of the things that we want to do in the show is be able to spend time with people um, because there's uh, there's great experience, but there's always great stories. And so again, thanks for- Yeah, coming. it's an honor. I love it. All yeah, right. Let's well, get to it. Well, tell, tell me about Remington. So us at Ashford, we own a lot of hotels. Tell yep. us about what Remington does and then kind of how, what you do there. Yeah, well, we've been in business since 1968, but we've changed a lot. Um, and in current fashion, we're 129 hotels, uh, 9,000 associates um, operating from Anchorage to San Diego, Key West to Boston. Um, and we are, you know, the fifth largest third party operator in the US. So managed uh, for th over 30 different owners. Obviously, you're our largest owner and you know very much appreciate the partnership, but it has been a ride, let me tell you. I've been at the company for a little over five years now, and just to see the evolution over the last five years has been you know, really exceptional. I mean, it's, it's been a real pleasure to have different roles and different experiences, but uh, you know, we're bigger than we've ever been, and, and that really is, uh, it's taken a, a team effort to get there. So a lot of people I find don't really understand if they're not in the business, they don't understand that Marriott doesn't necessarily own or even yeah. operate lots of hotels. Hilton doesn't necessarily own or operate uh, many hotels. Tell, explain how Remington is what's called a third party management company, how that works versus just having a brand operate your hotel. Yeah, no, I, I, I get this question at many family dinners. You know, what do you really do? Do you own hotel? No, we don't own hotels. So, you know, in the hotel industry, you really have three parties uh, traditionally. You have the hotel owner, which in a lot of cases are institutions, some publicly traded, some private, like uh, uh, publicly traded, like Asher Trust. You then have the brand, which is typically just a franchise, like a McDonald's franchise. You know, McDonald's doesn't own any buildings and doesn't really operate that many restaurants. It's the same in the hotel industry. Marriott is just the flag, the franchise. And then you have the operator, which in some cases is the owner themselves. There's a lot of owner-operator hotels in the U.S., but um, more than half of the hotels in the U.S. are managed by a third party. Um, and yes, the brands manage a few hotels themselves, but you know, the, by and large, uh, the majority of those third-party manager companies like Remington, and it's very fragmented. There are hundreds of third-party managers in the U.S., names you've never heard of, but there are a few consolidated larger operators and we're one of those. So 
hopefully that's as clear as mud. You know, you've got, you typically, I call it three legs of the stool. You have the, <laughs> the real estate owner that you work for, the franchise brand that you partner with, and then the operating company who actually employs the hotel, uh, the actual associates. Gotcha. So tell me how, I think you went to Georgia Tech. I did. As an undergraduate. So how did you go from Georgia Tech to ending up in this business? It seems like everybody, you either came from some sort of legacy family that's been right. in the hotel business forever, or you found your way here in a weird or, way. Or stumbled into it. Stumbled like into it. <laughs> that was, uh, it was 19 years ago. I was working at Oliver Wyman as an analyst, and I didn't know what Repar was. Um, and I had done a client engagement for Starwood Hotels at the time. And um, one of the biggest clients for Oliver Wyman was American Airlines. So I had done some revenue management work for American Airlines, but I wanted to move back uh, to Atlanta where I was originally from. I was living in Chicago out of college. And I did an interview for a senior analyst job on the worldwide marketing team at Intercontinental Hotels. I had no idea about anything in the industry and they needed someone who could do SQL coding and uh, uh, embed SQL in SAS, which is a statistical software. And I'd used it in college and consulting. And fast forward, 19 years later, here I am. <laughs> you know, have an engineering degree, but somehow I'm running a hospitality company. So, you know, that's life. I think that's the beauty of life. You never know where it's going to take you. You never know. And, that, and one <laughs> thing that's, that's, I think, great about our industry is, uh, as I sometimes will tell people, is we have, if, if you have a skill set or you have an interest, you can find something here in the hotel business because whether it's analytics and data, whether it's accounting or sales or ops or real estate or finance or deal making, there's there's something within our space that you can find a home in. And absolutely, one of the, the interesting parts. So when, what does it look like when you as a management company uh, are successful in regards to the owner and the brand? Like when when things are working well. What does that look like or feel like versus when you're in a hotel that's really struggling? Well, we'll assume that that, that doesn't happen <laughs> in any Remington hotels, but what's the difference between when things are kind of going well within the management company and the op operations and when it's not? Yeah, it's, it's when everybody's happy and everybody's making money. I know that seems overly simplified, <laughs> but um, you know what it looks like day to day is um, you know, first that we're taking care of the associates and the associates are taking care of the guests and the rest is kind of falling in line or taking care of itself. Um, and so what it looks like when it's symbiotic between those three legs of the stool is that we've got first great associates with good tenure, well, well trained, and they're providing great service to the guests. And then in return, we have really strong guest satisfaction scores that keep the brand happy, keep us in compliance and keeps the guests coming back uh, time and time again, and keeping a repeat, repeat customer coming back to you to make more and more money. And then ultimately, you know, the manager and the brand are paid as a percentage of revenue. So the more revenue we bring in, the more the manager makes, the more the brand makes. And ultimately, because the owner is, uh, you know, taking home what cash is left, ultimately the owner will make more money. And so it really does start with having great associates that are well-trained, that are well-tenured, that then deliver a great guest experience, then keeps the guests coming back, and then ultimately driving top line and revenue uh, where everyone makes more money. But that, I know it's an oversimplified version, but you know it really starts with the associate experience, then goes to the guest experience, 
and then uh, making sure we deliver on brand standards and, and some of the brand promise that, you know, great partners like Marriott and Hilton have some great standards that make us better managers, better partners. But what does that look like in terms of, you're talking about well-tenured well staff, training, that probably looks quite a bit different five years ago than what it looks oh, like yeah. now on the heels of every all the carnage we've been through in our industry through COVID. Yeah. So what, how, is that, how has that changed? Well, I think you definitely have the consumer expectations are back in over 2019. And I would say that's because they're paying more. So if you look at average daily rates, they're not back to 2019 on inflation adjusted, but they're way up on a nominal basis 2019. And so if you're paying a lot more for something, you expect more. And that's why if you, you look at data across the industry, actual guest satisfaction scores are way down versus 2019. I equate part of that to the expectation of the consumer, but part of it is staffing levels. Um, and we lost about 20% of our staff that left the industry that had a lot of legacy tenure, a lot of great experience, and they never came back. Um, and so we're still working through staff. You know, every hotel in America is, is mostly understaffed. I, I say that it's probably 90%. But a lot of those associates are new. They never worked in hotels. And so it's a real, challenge but it's exciting too we had this opportunity to indoctrinate all these new people that have come into the industry the last couple of years and evolve the, the business and be better but we're in this i call it kind of growth gap where uh, demand has come back faster than staffing we have a lot of new associates and so the key differentiator is what kind of systematic training do you have for new associates and developing them and, and getting them ramped up faster um, and I think it starts at grassroots levels all the way to promoting from within and, and having apprenticeship programs and, and those types of things. Uh, but it is definitely staffing and training and filling that gap where we lost 20% of our staff because of COVID is a big part of what we're still focused on today. All right. Yeah. It seems like it's, it's going to be interesting to see that, I mean, you're right. I think we have an opportunity in the industry, but we're also now competing in ways we have it against kind of the gig economy mm -hmm. against Amazon against all of these, you know, different uh, kind of plug and play type jobs where people have valued maybe their, their flexibility in kind of being on job, off job. But at some point in time, it seems it would come to roost that you're not being promoted. You're not being advanced. You're not growing professionally. And I think that seems to be the, the opportunity that we have is you, I mean, our corporate offices are filled with people who started at a property, right? You were a totally. schmo. At Intercon Hotels. I was Hotels. an analyst. I was, I was an, an analyst, analyst. And now I'm CEO. Yeah. I was an analyst. Yeah, I was the chump doing the weekly reports. Yeah. And so I think that idea that, no, you can start at the front desk and down the road, you can be running a division. You can be running a company. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's a message. We got to do a better job in our industry of telling. I, I completely agree. I mean, we partner with the American Hotel and Lodging Association in their federally accredited apprenticeship program. And one of the things at the launch of every apprentice class, I share two or three stories, my own, and then several that work for us that they started at line level employees and have risen to, you know, the president of Remington is Chris Green. His first job, he literally was a dishwasher at a hotel, just like Christmas said at Hilton. That was literally his first job. My first job before I went to college was I cut grass at a hotel golf resort for a summer, you know, and I actually worked in the resort. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of great examples. We are still one of the few industries that you can only have a high school diploma and rise to the level of CEO. And we need to preach that 
because you're right, at some point that Amazon Fulfillment Center is going to automate it, even though they're making more in an hourly wage, that housekeeper that left us to go work, they could have been a supervisor or GM. They're never going to be the GM of the Amazon Fulfillment Center. So we have to sell that story. Yeah. So you said Remington has 100 and how many hotels? It's 129. 127 open, and we have two, one of which is uh, your uh, general partner on that we have in construction right now. Gotcha. And so out of those 120-something hotels, how many have you physically touched? I have physically been to 110. Right, I you, counted it last night because I knew I was going to be talking to you. So You have probably, I would imagine you've probably been to more of my hotels than I have. I've been to, I, I was going through them. I think I've been to maybe 60 or 70% of my hotels, but I think you probably have been to maybe even more of my hotels than. Yeah, we were having this debate the other day. I, I have, I think, one individual in the company that's been to everyone. Um, and uh, that's financial, the financial audit team. Um, but I, I have a goal to make sure I visit every single hotel. And it's funny, at leadership conference, I always make that statement. And the few that I've not been to, they stand up and heckle me. You know, <laughs> hey, when are you, when are you, I still haven't been to Virginia Beach. And um, I promised the team I'd get there this year, so I will. So do you have a favorite? Is there, is there a property um, amongst all of them that you has a special place in your heart for whatever reason? I'd say a lot of them have a special place. All right, no, I, I, I didn't I, say a lot of them. One, I'll Let's pick go for two, one. I'll, I'll go two, and they're they're two very good reasons. They're both family oriented. So I would go first. Your uh, your one ocean resort in Atlantic Beach, um, and it is for two reasons. One, we have had a lot of great associates go through that hotel and be elevated. So our VP of Food and Beverage is the former head chef. Um, our, the current GM is now an area GM. And so it's been a training ground of really great, excellent associates. And s secondarily, I take my kids there once a year. So I have all these memories of my three little boys on the beach. I had the, one of the cutest pictures ever. They're standing there in their PJs watching the sunrise over the beach. And they're all looking out, just can't wait to get out to the beach. So that probably holds a special place. And then I got engaged last year and we were staying at Bordesona. It's hard to beat a five-star in Napa. So those probably, from a consumer angle, are probably two of, two of my favorites. Gotcha. Well, that's good. So do you have, you just told kind of two sh short stories, but I mean, is there is there a hotel story that sticks with you, either that you personally have been a part of, or maybe a legend and lore that you heard someone else tell that has stuck with you? Do you have a, a hotel? Boy, story? there's so many. This business has got uh, some of the most solid of earth humans that roll up their sleeves. And uh, I mean, I could tell you several hardship stories. Probably, though, I think the most impactful is just the story of COVID. You know, if I rewind the tape, March 1st, 2020, we had 6,850 active associates operating 92 hotels. We then fast forward to April 1st. We kept every hotel open that we were legally allowed to keep them open, which we had to close in Napa and Key West legally. Uh, so we kept all but four open with 485 associates. And for 60 days, we asked every single general manager from April 1st through May 31st, they lived in the hotel. Uh, literally, it was their home. Uh, and we had our, our GM at the time uh, for the Hilton Garden in Austin, his wife was six months pregnant wow and he did not see his wife because he didn't want to put her at risk for covid 
uh, for two months. And that's the, and we survived as a company and an organization because of those sacrifices. It saved a lot of money, a cash burn. Um, they were busting rooms. And I tell you, the, and people were proud to do it, you know? And I think it really showed what the industry, so it was the hardest time in the industry, but it was the greatest time too, because people really rose to the challenge. And I'm really, really proud of a lot of our leaders, um, just the leadership and the personal sacrifice they showed. I think that was extraordinary. And, and frankly, you could go back and say that it was part of the reason we survived. Yeah. yeah. So from either, maybe it's as a part of some time during kind of the pandemic, has there been a piece of, of business advice that you got or a business experience you got during that that has stuck with you that you you look back and go that that little nugget that I got there is something I is important to me boy I learned a lot I they're probably the thing that has helped me the most the last seven or eight years because I would say I'm an overly ambitious human always have been probably always will be but something that unbridled ambition can be very destructive and um, I uh, one of my favorite quotes is if you want to change the world change yourself first and so I think over the last eight years through fatherhood through COVID I have learned that if you really want to scale a business you can't be a hero and do it all yourself um, and you have to be able to change yourself let go of your ego, let go of your, you know, and so I think that's the biggest thing, you know, if you really want to be very impactful in business, so much of our strengths turn into our weaknesses and, and just having a self-awareness about you doesn't mean that you're not a driver or a go-getter, but it really is the, the fact that, you know, if you really want to change things or have big impact, you got to first look inward and address some of your own demons or your own shortcomings and, and that's iterative. It never stops, you know, it's progress, not perfection. So I think that's probably the most impactful for me that I, th I always tell people, if you really want to try to get promoted, first look in the mirror. Yeah. Well, that's hard because you, we, like I said, we all have goals. We're all trying to grow our businesses, yeah. do well for our people, try to advance. Uh, and sometimes that can feel very tactical. Mm -hmm. right? If I do X, I can achieve Y and I need to learn this skill. Uh, but sometimes it comes back to, you gotta, you gotta clean yourself up a little bit. You've gotta work on your own kind of personal virtue and work ethic and attitude and the way you interact with others. Um, you know, people don't do, um, people don't, people don't work well with those who it's miserable to be around. And so it's all of these things, right? To how you can help people to, to grow. Um, and it's even more apparent in hospitality where the, it is a large workforce. And the way you make an associate feel gets passed on to the customer. It's not like a software business where you're selling something that you don't interact with the customer. So the way you treat your associates then actually has a direct correlation to guest experience. Um, and it is really true that people don't remember what you say. They remember the way you made them feel. Um, and I think that's a big lesson. I, I realized that even more in COVID. You know, it was, even if I didn't have the answers, just sitting up there and taking punches from the associates that were furloughed for two hours made them feel a little better, yep. even if I didn't have all the answers. Yeah, no, and none of us had any answers. Yeah, at that COVID. point, <laughs> we were just hoping we were going to survive, yeah. right? Um, all right, so we're going to go into kind of our last question, which is uh, whether it's industry-related, not industry-related, 
what, I guess, what drives you? What is, like, if you're going to distill Sloan Dean down to, like, what is the, the, the passion, the thing that interests you, that drives you? What's the core of you? Give me, give me the, the little uh, two-minute summary of what, what is, who is Sloan Dean, what drives him, what's his passion? I think it's changed over the years, but I think it goes back to, I tell the story of my father a lot. My dad was an ag banker. He worked for the same company for 37 years. And by uh, his biggest uh, legacy was just the amount of people that he touched. I remember going to his retirement dinner and there were, uh, and the, it went super long because people kept getting up and talking about my dad advocating for them. Um, and that's something that's uh, really struck a chord with my older brother and I that my dad told us at a funeral once of a family member, he said, boys, doesn't matter how much money you got in your checking account when you leave this world, it matters how many people show up to your funeral. Um, and so I've always been really ambitious, so as my older brother, um, and I think as I've gotten older, I want to leave a legacy of, you know, hey, you can be, it is not uh, mutually exclusive to be very performance driven, but be high culture. And I really want Remington to be the best operator. We don't need to be the biggest, but I want to deliver the best results for our owners, the best experience for our associates. And um, I think you can do, and great, hotels for guests and I think you can do that all together and it's not mutually exclusive um, and I, th I see too many companies sacrificing one or two of those three and I really want to just be the best operator and I think growth and numbers will come if we're the best and in the last five years have shown that our focus has been on first take care of the associate then take care of the guests and then really driving revenue and profit and we've added more hotels than ever. We never have said, hey, we want to be at 150 hotels or 200, or we just have said, we want to be the best and the growth will come. And I think that's the legacy I want to leave um, is that Remington is the best operator and the best place to work. And people want to work for us for 40 years. You know, that's, that's the legacy I want to leave. Well, and it's a great advantage we have in the hospitality business is that because we are a people industry, you've like you said, you've got the way you treat your people is the way that they're going to treat other people. That's right. And uh, if it's if that order it gets mixed up, your hotels have some issues. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you if you look at a hotel that has best bad guest satisfaction scores, it is nine times out of ten starts at the general manager level and has a general manager that is either disconnected, slightly abusive, or some other negative that just trickles down through the staff. Yeah. Well, sometimes, in, in, and I know that you do this in your training, but sometimes, because things sometimes go wrong, right? Sometimes things break, fire alarms go off, yeah. things are noisy. And how you respond as uh, as an associate, as the person on the ground there, and if you're empowered to respond, you can make a loyal guest oh, come yeah. back forever to, to respond to a situation that's difficult in a heroic way, in a, in a way that really makes them happy, is better than if everything went smoothly the entire time. Uh, you're totally right. Guest recovery is top of the list for guest loyalty. If you capture that and turn a negative into a positive, they'll be 10 times more loyal. Yeah. Well, Sloan, thanks for, for joining us. And hey, uh, this is great. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining the first episode of Hotels 101. We hopefully will be doing this every month, bringing in a, a new leader of the industry and getting to know them a little bit better and hopefully learning a little bit more about the industry is along the way. So thanks for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next month.